0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church, and we're in a series looking in depth at the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we've seen that the promise of the Spirit uh, that that would come to pass in the new covenant through the Messiah has two aspects to it. And that was modeled in Jesus himself, because he had the Spirit within him from his birth, but then he received the Spirit upon him, power for ministry. He received that when he was baptized at the age of 30. So there were two components, if you like, to the promise of the Father. um, And the first component is the indwelling Spirit. The second component is the Spirit upon us, which is also known as the baptism in the Spirit. So Jesus' baptism in the Spirit was a separate thing to him having the indwelling Spirit. And then we saw the same pattern with the Original apostles, because on the morning of the resurrection, sorry, on the evening of the resurrection, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so at that point, they received the Holy Spirit within them. And that's when they were born again. Uh, And then, 50 days later, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, that's when the Spirit came upon them, and anointed them and empowered them for their ministry, and so we see that pattern again. But to really understand this, we're having to dig a bit deeper because there is an issue that uh, on the day of Pentecost, Peter pointed out that it was only possible for the Holy Spirit to be poured out um, it, that Jesus had to be had to ascend. To heaven first and receive from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit and then he could pour it out upon us. And so it, he says that Jesus was exalted to God's right hand and then he received the promise of the Spirit and then poured it out. Well, if the ascension happened after 40 days, how could Jesus possibly give the Spirit to his disciples on the evening of the resurrection? or at least the first installment of the Spirit, the uh, Spirit within, it seems to be a contradiction, because he needed to ascend on high to receive the Spirit before he can give it. And this is where we've, we've taken a little bit of a, of a departure to cover a very important subject that isn't generally known, and it's that Jesus did ascend. On the morning of the resurrection, he ascended to the Father, uh, and it would have been between eight o'clock and nine o'clock in the morning, and he had to do this for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, he had to fulfil the feast of first fruits, which required him to be to ascend and present himself to God uh, as the first fruits. Um, number two, he had to ascend on again on the day of his resurrection to present his blood. Uh, in the heavenly Holy of Holies. And that would, uh, as it were, be the consummation of the covenant that he had cut in his own blood. Uh, And then thirdly, he had to receive all authority in heaven on earth. And he must have done that before Uh, Because during the the 40 days, he announced that he'd already received all authority in heaven and earth. But in Daniel 7, we'll see that he had to appear before the throne in order to receive that authority. And fourthly, he had to receive the Holy Spirit on our behalf from the Father. And that required him ascending to heaven. And so um, we're going to look at this ascension of Christ that happened on the... The morning of his resurrection, and that, and because he received the spirit right then, in that first ascension, that's how he was able to impart the Holy Spirit to the disciples. The spirit within, 50 days later, they received the spirit upon. And and in the same way, just because you've received the new birth and the spirit within, doesn't mean that you've also received the baptism in the spirit, the spirit upon you. And if you haven't, you need to seek that experience. Well, we see this ascension in John chapter 20 when Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, and he appeared to her just before he was making this ascension. And that's really the reason for the timing of this visitation was that we would know what he was doing at that time. And when she tried to touch him, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and to your God. And um, here Jesus is saying he is ascending. He's in the process of ascending right then and there on the resurrection morning. And uh, it makes no sense unless you understand that. Why would he tell Mary that he that she can't touch him, uh, based on the fact that he's ascending? If he was only going to ascend forty days later, that that really doesn't make sense. Also, it contradicts other scriptures because, in fact, uh, a, a, a few an hour or two later, he meets some women, and it says that they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. So he allowed them to do what he forbade Mary to do. So, if the ascension he was talking about was 40 days later. The reason he gave to Mary, for some reason, didn't apply to these women. And then later, the apostles handled him and Thomas handled him. And, and yet, for some reason, he told Mary that she couldn't touch him. Um, and the reason was that he was ascending. And the only way to reconcile these scriptures is to understand that he literally was ascending to heaven at that very moment. And that's why Mary couldn't touch him. The reason was that Jesus was was ascending. Uh, One reason that he was ascending is that he had to fulfill the Feast of Firstfruits. And we saw this last time. He was offering himself as the firstfruits to God. At the same moment in the temple, they were waving the sheaf of firstfruits to God um, to be accepted by God. And uh, Jesus was waving was was ascending into heaven presenting himself as the first fruits and that's why it was inappropriate for Mary to touch him because he was to give himself completely to God as the first fruits we saw this last time that others were resurrected at the same time as him in Matthew 27 these also formed part of the sheaf of first fruits that he presented to God also there were all the spirits of the righteous men they were he preached the gospel to all the righteous in paradise and they were born again. And so because they're now born again, he was able to take all the Old Testament saints to heaven with him. And he liberated paradise and took paradise up to heaven. And that's when he led captivity captive in triumph. So on the, in this ascension, on the morning of the resurrection, he took all the Old Testament saints with him to heaven. Now they're in heaven. As we read in Hebrews 12, 22, he says, these are the spirits of just men made perfect. They were righteous in paradise, but they were not yet made perfect. Until the new covenant came into action, they couldn't be made perfect. But once Jesus had shed his blood and rose from the dead, they could now be born again. And he preached the gospel to them. It says in 1 Peter 4.6, and that these, men, that these men might live unto God. And so they came alive in the Spirit, they were born again, and now Jesus took them to heaven with him. So we see them in heaven. In Hebrews 12, 22, it says, You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Those are the Old Testament saints are now in heaven. Praise God. They were taken there in this initial ascension of Jesus and also to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and something else is in heaven, which leads us to our next point of what, why Jesus had to do this ascension on the day of his resurrection, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Notice the blood of Jesus is in heaven right now. And so we've seen that by his resurrection, um, he had to fulfill the Feast of first fruits on the day of his resurrection, and he had to make the offering of the first fruits, which had to be waved before the Lord. He had to go to heaven to do that and to be accepted by God on our behalf. And because Jesus was accepted by God, as he presented himself to, before God as our representative of the new covenant, he was accepted by God and that was an important thing. And that's the first thing that he did. He fulfilled the Feast of first fruits, But he also had to present his blood in the heavenly Holy of Holies. And this blood is the basis for the new covenant. And so although Christ died and rose again, the final consummation of his atoning work had to be accomplished in heaven before the spirit of the new covenant, the spirit within and upon, could be given to us. So he had to present his blood in heaven. Now, he he didn't wait 40 days to do that. He, He needed to do that on the day of his resurrection. And so that's why we see that the blood of Jesus is in heaven. When did he take it to heaven? It was on the morning of the resurrection. We read this in Hebrews 9. Christ came as the high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. And it's talking about God's temple in heaven. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And so having obtained eternal rejection, he took his own blood into the most holy place in fulfillment of the picture of the day of atonement in the law. And so we've seen that that's why the blood Uh, Of Jesus is right there. It's compared to Abel's blood. Abel's blood was sprinkled on the earth, but Christ's blood in heaven. Whereas Abel's blood cried out for vengeance, Christ's blood cries out for our mercy and forgiveness, praise God. And so Jesus had to enter the heavenly Holy of Holies with his blood and present it there as the final and full satisfaction for our sin and for the new covenant to then be set into operation. And so this had to be done in heaven before the Spirit could be given to us in the new covenant. And that's why the Bible says the gift of the Spirit could not be given until Christ ascended to heaven and was glorified with all power and authority to pour it out. And he did this, as I say, in this initial ascension. It says in John 7.39 that the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus could not give the the Spirit to his disciples until he was glorified, until he ascended to heaven and received all power and authority. See, the Holy Spirit is not given on our own merits, but on the basis of Christ's complete atonement, on the basis of his blood, which was not consummated until his blood was presented in heaven. And so the giving of the Spirit was a testimony to the fact that the blood of Christ has been accepted as the all-sufficient payment for our sin and and the provision of our eternal life. 1 John 5, 6 says that this is he who came by water and blood, He's the water of his physical birth and by the blood of his death. Those are the two things. Christ was born as a man and also he gave his blood for us. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. In other words, the Spirit bears witness to the blood. So the giving of the Spirit testifies that the blood has availed for us, to cleanse us from sin, to purchase the blessing of the Spirit, so the Spirit could not be given before the blood was presented. And and again, that happened on the day of the resurrection. Acts 2.33 says the same, that being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has now poured out this which you see and hear. And Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God, first of all, on the day of his resurrection. That's when he received the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he could give it to his disciples that same evening. So having purchased our redemption by his blood, he ascended and purchased, presented his blood in heaven for the acceptance by the Father and the seal of his completed work. Only then could he receive the Holy Spirit to pour out on those who believe. Now most assume, without thinking, that he must have ascended with the blood and received the Holy Spirit in his ascension 40 days later. But this doesn't make sense. He had to do this on the morning of the resurrection, because in the 40 days he claimed that the work was done. And he imparted the Spirit to his disciples, and he claimed that he had all authority in heaven and earth. And why would he wait 40 days before completing the work of establishing the new covenant? You know, we read on in Hebrews 11 what he did when he took his blood into the heavenly holy of holies. He he says that, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who by the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he's the mediator of the new covenant, uh, so that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. So at this time, when he ascended into heaven, that's as it were, when he officially became the mediator and the new covenant now, came into full operation, and that enabled us, and then to receive our inheritance from him. So we needed to do that on the day of the resurrection. And the, so the purpose of this ascension was to inaugurate the new covenant, and that was confirmed by his words to Mary just as he was about to do the ascension. What he was doing was revealing the purpose of his ascension was to bring the new covenant relationship into action through what he would do in heaven. Notice what Jesus said. Don't touch me, for I haven't yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. Now, this is the new thing now. We are now his brethren because we are born again through the same work of the Spirit when Jesus was raised from the dead. In the new covenant, we, we are his brethren. He's the firstborn from the dead. And he says, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. In other words, what he's saying is now, this is what I've come to just, I've done all the work, but I've just have to consummate it now. What I'm doing in the new covenant is just as it, he is my God He is your God too. He is my Father. He is your Father. In other words, I become your representative, your mediator before God. You come into the same relationship with the Father that that I have. And this, he's talking about bringing the new covenant into full operation. And so he ascended to officially consummate the new covenant in heaven by presenting his blood there, making it fully operational. And this is when he received all power and all authority from God. That's when he received the promise of the Spirit and and the right to pour it out. And then that's why later that same evening, he appeared to the disciples and he gave them the Spirit, breathing the Spirit into them. He said, breathing into them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he had already received the Holy Spirit from the Father. Now he could give the Holy Spirit. But you can only understand that if you understand that initial ascension that took place at that time. Well, the third thing that Jesus had to do was receive all authority in heaven and earth. This had to be in this initial ascension. Because during the 40 days, he said... Uh, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, if he received all authority at his second ascension after 40 days, he couldn't have made that claim. But he had already received all authority. When did he do that? It had to be at the initial ascension. And this is confirmed by Daniel 7. Daniel had a vision of this ascension, when the Messiah, the Son of Man, would receive all authority. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. So this is a man. This is a man who's lived a human life, who's died, but is now appearing in heaven. He's ascended to heaven now. It says, he came to the Ancient of Days, that's the Father, and they brought him near before him, then to him. This Son of Man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So in other words, this is the ascension of Jesus when he received all authority in heaven and earth. And notice he had to appear before God's throne to receive that authority. So for Jesus to say, I have all authority, means he must have appeared before God's throne and received that authority as the Son of Man. Praise God. And we see the same truth in Ephesians 1.19. It connects the ascension of Christ to the resurrection. When he received all authority, this ascension when he received all authority is connected to God's release of power at the resurrection not separated by 40 days. It says, we should have a revelation. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet. Notice it talks about the power that raised Christ from the dead, but immediately says that, that by that same power, he was seated at God's right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And he was, all things were put under his feet. In other words, on the day of his resurrection, he didn't just rise from the dead, but he was raised to God's throne and he was given all authority. For Philippians 2 was also fulfilled at this time. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This happened on the morning of the resurrection. That's when he received all authority. And that authority he received included the authority to receive uh, and pour out the Holy Spirit. And that leads us to the fourth point that the reason why Jesus had to ascend at that time. He had to fulfill the feast of first fruits when the sheaf is waved before the Lord. He had to um, receive uh, all authority in heaven and on earth. He had to present his blood in the heavenly Holy of Holies, and he had to receive, fourthly, the Holy Spirit on our behalf. Again. Peter says this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he poured out this which you now see and hear so the thing is Jesus had to go to the right hand of God in order to receive the Holy Spirit in order to pour it out upon us and so when he ascended on the morning of the resurrection as the first fruits and presented his blood uh, as the basis of the new covenant. He was accepted by God, the Father, on our behalf, as our representative man. He received all authority and power from God. And so it's logical that at this time he also received the Holy Spirit in his new covenant ministry. He received the Holy Spirit from the Father on our behalf along with all the blessings of the New Covenant. And all the blessings are transmitted through the Holy Spirit. And now, he had the right now, having received the Holy Spirit, on that moment, he received the Holy Spirit from the Father, he now had the right to pour out the Spirit upon all those who are in him, all those who believe in him, and submit to his headship. And that's why, on the evening of the day of the resurrection, he was able to impart the Holy Spirit to his disciples. This was a real event. This was not just a symbolic act. He had already received the Spirit and now he was imparting the Spirit and he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, then having imparted the Spirit within them, that's when they were born again, that's when they had the Spirit within, he started to prepare them to receive the second ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit upon them. And he had these are two separate experiences, and he separated them by fifty days, probably because of the fulfillment of feasts. The first one was the Feast of First Fruits, the second one was the Feast of Pentecost. And so the two ministries of the Spirit were, were imparted fifty days apart. And so they are two distinct experiences. We see that with the first apostles. And so he, he imparted the spirit within the resurrection and then the spirit upon at Pentecost. And he started preparing them for it. He said uh, in, in, at the start of the 40 days, that in the evening of the resurrection already, he said, Behold. I said the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He said, I've given you my spirit, I've breathed, I've released my spirit within you, but now you also need to get ready for part two, when I will endue you with power from on high. And then he explains what the purpose of that power is. If, if we back up, it says, it was necessary for me to suffer and die and rise from the dead the third day. But now there's a mission. What hap- has to happen now is that the re- repentance, remission of sins be preached in my name to all nations. And you are to be my witnesses of these things. And because you have a mission now, I'm sending you on a mission, you need my power. You need the Spirit of God upon you. You've, you're connected to God through the Spirit within, but you need the Spirit of God upon you to fulfill that ministry of being my witness. And then at the end of the 40 days in the book of Acts, he confirmed that very same thing. And he said that uh, I will wait in Jerusalem, don't go anywhere, and I will send the promise of my father upon you. And then he says you shall receive power after that the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth and he says the same things to us he says first of all receive christ as your savior and lord and receive the spirit of god within you but don't stop there realize that you now have a mission on the earth and you need his power for that mission and you need to come to him And Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Surrender to him and ask him to fill you with his power so that you can fulfill that ministry and ask him to release the gifts and the calling in your life so that you can be a power for God in the earth. We all need healing at some point in our life and we need to know how to receive healing from God. And so I've written this book, Getting Healed, to really help you understand how you can receive healing from God and how to help others also receive healing from God. And it's available in book form and it's also available as a CD series. And it will really build your faith to encourage you to, to, to receive God's healing power into your body. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox x 3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.